Welcome to Confetti Body Podcast, where we highlight hot health topics. I'm your host, Nicole, and today I'm here with our co-host, Kyle, Michelle, Jamie, Emily, Daryl Lewis, and Chesco. Today we are focusing on strange psychiatric experiments. Ooh. Yes, that intro <laughs> that was, was a good sound effect. It was. And I want to thank we have Jamie back again today as our guest host. So thank you, Jamie, for coming back. Thank you for having me. Yes. So today's episode is strange psychiatric experiments. And I have a few fun facts about the brain today from WinstonMedical.org. Did you guys know that the brain operates on the same amount of power as a 10 watt light bulb? That's it? Yeah. Well, yeah. I, so we I wouldn't be able to see anything. It. But at, yeah, but at the same, we wouldn't be able to see anything. <laughs> that explains a lot. <laughs> Your brain generates as much energy as a small light bulb, even when you're sleeping. The human brain is capable. Okay, so here's where it gets weird. So it only runs on the same amount of power as a 10 watt light bulb, or else we would fry. The human brain is capable of creating more ideas equivalent to that of the atoms of the universe. That's pretty incredible. Wow. The human brain is the most powerful computer, which has a processing speed of over 3,000 gigahertz. So just to put that into comparison, the average computer has a processing speed of only 3.5 to 4 gigahertz. So that's like, that's, uh, I'm just going to go ahead, go ahead and say that's like 3,000 times more than, than a computer. <laughs> and I'm only using like two watts then. Two, yeah. Not with the... <laughs> Uh, and then the human brain is very soft, like butter. Gross. That's disgusting. Thanks for that. <laughs> um, now I'm thinking of Hannibal Lecter. I was too. <laughs> so I was Spread gonna... it on your toast. <laughs> yeah. God. Oh, God, Kyle. Oh, God. That's so funny because I was going to add in a lobotomy little tidbit there, but you guys did it for me. Thank you. <laughs> what is the most traumatic thing an authority figure has ever done? So I'll start. When I was in uh, fourth grade, my family's Catholic and I was in CCD and I desperately, desperately wanted to be the first female president, which I still have that opportunity, you know, either praise Jesus or not praise Jesus. But I desperately wanted to be the first female president. And as a kid, I'm, you know, all idealistic and telling my CCD teacher about this. And he looks at me and says, well, you know, all presidents go to hell. So if you become president, you will go to hell. I was absolutely traumatized and I immediately no longer had the ambition of becoming the first female president. And instead, whenever someone asked what I wanted to be when I was older, I said a waitress. I went safe. I used to say I wanted to be a secretary. A secretary? Okay, so you and I are on board. Okay, something simple. I mean, Just Nicole, tell me what to do at least you met it. your goal. Are you what? At least you've exceeded your goal. I have exceeded. Well, maybe. Still <laughs> I still get ordered around. <laughs> so, Kyle, um, what what's your crazy story? I don't have a crazy story, but my grandmother. Well, okay, so I have freckles all over my body, and my when I was younger. They were everywhere, and I was very self-conscious about them. I was like, no one else has these. Like, what's going on with me? And so I I had a conversation with my grandmother, and she's like, well, if you scrub them hard enough, 
they'll come off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so my mom walks in on me scrubbing the hell out of my face one time, bleeding. <gasps> and she's like, what the hell are you doing? Well, Granny told me if I scrubbed hard enough that they'd be, you know, I could get rid of them. And, yeah, that's my um, traumatic story that, so that I was, was naive. And, uh, but yeah. then my other grandmother was like, no, those are angel kisses. So Aww, I like that one kisses. better. Yeah, <laughs> that old wives' tale did not pan out, Granny. Sorry. Hey, Michelle, you'll never believe what happened to me yesterday. What happened to you yesterday? I had a sore throat, and I didn't want to go to the doctor because of all the COVID germs floating around. What? I don't blame you, so what'd you do? I downloaded an app called Confetti Force. Confetti Force? What a cool name. I know, right? Anyway, I was able to pick out a doctor, and I liked it and scheduled an appointment to have a virtual visit. I've heard of a lot of people doing that. Yeah, me too, but I haven't done it before because I was scared it would charge me a ton of money. Well, how do you know that Confetti Force doesn't? Oh, because they have a flat rate of $40. $40? Yeah, just to see a doctor. That's crazy. Do you feel any better? Yeah, I do, actually. I feel much better. We just talked through an app, uh, through a telehealth app, and he helped me, so. Well, how can I check it out? Uh, you can go to the App Store, or you can go to Google Play, or you can go to ConfettiForce.com. Awesome. I'll look it up right now. Confetti Force. Manage your health before your health manages you. I brought forth three of some very strange psychiatric experiments that I found. And one was done by, M it was a project done by the CIA called MKUltra. Uh, the CIA conducted an experiment from the 1950s to the 1970s, and it was a project called MKUltra. And it was a, a project where they wanted to see how they could mind control others. So... One of the one of the operations within the project was called Operation Midnight Climax. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I thought so as well. I feel like they're still conducting that experiment. They probably are. <laughs> and that one was actually involved LSD. And it lasted well into the 70s. So during the Cold War, the CIA was concerned that the KGB would use LSD as a mind control substance on Americans. So what the CIA did at the time, during the 1950s, they bought up all the LSD on the market, which totaled to be 10 kilograms of LSD-25, and that is enough to dose half the American population. Wow. So what the CIA did is they hired hookers to bring back unsuspecting victims to a CIA safe house. The head honcho of the project, Operation Midnight Climax, was George White, and what he would do is he would sit behind a one-way mirror on a portable toilet and drink martinis as he watched unsuspecting victims be dosed with LSD, and they actually have video of him doing this. Okay, they're He's definitely still doing these experiments. <laughs> People have to pay for them now. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah you can get druggies coming up to whores. <laughs> do you work for the CIA? <laughs> Where can I get free LSD, please? <laughs> But yeah, they actually have video of George White literally sitting on a portable toilet behind a one-way mirror holding a martini with an olive. <laughs> mm -hmm. So the goal was to learn how to control and reprogram people's minds. While victims under the influence, the CIA would try and convince people to commit unspeakable acts. And I want to see if any of you guys can guess what some of these acts they would try and get these people to do while they were under the influence of LSD. 
I mean, without did, looking, do they have something to do with the hookers? <laughs> uh, like like having intercourse. Yes, I'm gonna assume that. Uh, no. Hmm. Well, I'm sure they didn't think it that was, was murder. They would try and convince people to go out and commit murder. <laughs> <laughs> did they agree? <laughs> Why? What the yeah. heck? That's been a different <laughs> what would be the point? They wanted to basically see if they can mind control someone into committing assassination, basically making the Manchurian candidate, um, all of those things. But what they found is that under the influence of LSD, people were actually constantly questioning authority. So instead of just doing whatever they were told, they were actually continuously questioning everything they were trying to get them to do. So some of the other things that they used um, under the MK Ultra project was ecstasy, um, mescaline, which I'll be honest with you, I'm, I don't even know what that is, heroin, barbiturates, methamphetamine, and magic mushrooms. So, so hang on. So are you saying underneath all of these drugs they were questioning authority or just LSD? No, just LSD. And they were doing different experiment, experiments based on the drugs. So some of the pe famous people who volunteered, because they, they did get unsuspecting victims, and then they did also have people volunteer for the LSD experiment, was the lyricist for the Grateful Dead, Robert Hunter, Boston mobster, James Joseph Witte Bulger, and I'm terrified of this one, but the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski. Hmm. Well, then. Yeah. That's insane. That is insane. Yeah, that, that's kind of terrifying. <laughs> but hopefully, I, well, never mind. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. What is the most traumatic thing an authority figure has ever done? Michelle, what's yours? Um, I have plenty of them. And we're not going to go into the most traumatic one because I can't really think of anything super traumatic, which I'm sure Good. there are. Because yeah. <laughs> honestly, adult figures scared me to death when I was a kid. Anything that was said to me, I took to heart and just went with it. But so to this day... If I go and use a restroom at like a gas station or any sort of store, I have to buy something from there. Like I have to, like, I know that I'm not going to get in trouble for it if I just go and use a restroom. But whenever I was little, I went to like this, uh, it's kind of like a theme park. It's called Kima Boardwalk, but it's in Galveston in Texas. Well, um, I had to use the restroom. We were leaving and we stopped at this shop that sold like seashells or something. And I went in to go use the restroom and... I asked the lady at the front if she had a restroom and she was like, well, you have to buy something. And I was like, but I've got to go really bad. She was like, it doesn't matter. You have to buy something. And I was like, maybe eight or nine ish, I guess. So being terrified of this woman now, <laughs> I bought, I bought, I think some shark teeth. So I could just, so I could oh. use the restroom. But now anytime I go to a gas station, use a restroom, I have to buy gum or just something random because I'm just like scared this lady's going to pop out and be like, you, ha you have to buy something to use the restroom. I actually, I almost got into it with like, I swear to God, this woman like just got out of prison. Cause I went to, speaking of a gas station, I went to a, a gas station one time and it needed like a key. You know, how sometimes they require you to have a key and the girl was leaving and I was like, I went to go hold the door open. So I didn't have to go up and get the key. And she like literally threw me out of the way, slammed the door. She goes, no, you need the key. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, lady. And I was like, it's not a big deal. I'm just going to go in. And so she starts yelling to the attendant, she's not getting the key. She's not getting the key. And I was like, chill out, lady. I'm okay. like, all I want to do is pee. I would have absolutely died. Like, that is such a traumatic <laughs> thing for me. Well, obviously, your situation was traumatic because you 
buy something and anytime you I'm, go into a store everyone now. thinks i'm ridiculous for it but i'm just terrified that lady's gonna come out and yell at me or something i don't know yeah some people yeah some of those gas attendants are pretty pretty crazy when it comes to the bathroom jamie what's yours Mine's not too traumatic, but it's kind of funny. So some context, I'm the youngest of six kids. I was an oops baby. My siblings are like... After six, you were still an oops baby? Yeah, <laughs> right? She just kept going. Uh, but my siblings are like 11 to 16 years older than me. So they were all teenagers in the early 90s, early 2000s, and I was like five. So they were cussing and all that. They had a really bad habit of calling people fool. Or did you anybody around that era? Like fool. Yeah, like you're a what fool. up figure. You're a fool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, anyways, my mom didn't want me to pick it up, and I didn't realize it. But she told me, Jamie, if you call somebody a fool, you're going to condemn your soul to hell. I oh never called God. anybody oh a fool God. in my entire life, and I was talking to her about it. Maybe when I was like 18. She's like. No, that's not real. I was like, <laughs> I distinctly remember that. <laughs> I was so scared, you guys. <laughs> so number two, the next on the strange um, psychiatric experiments list, homosexual aversion therapy. Boo. Correct. So an eight. <laughs> you get it. I'm going to give you a star. Sticker, but the first Kyle. one was awful as well. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, you like the first one. That's fine. <laughs> So in 1899, German psychiatrist, and let me see if I can get this name right. I'm not very good at German. I'll be honest with you. Albert von Schrecken-Notzing claimed he was able to turn a gay man straight after 45 hypnosis sessions and, quote, a few trips to a brothel. Through hypnosis, he claimed he had manipulated the man's sexual impulses, diverting them from his interest in men to a lasting desire for women. Austrian endocrinologist, oddly enough, Eugene Steinach, believed homosexuality was rooted in a man's testicles. This theory led to testicle transplantation experiments in the 1920s during which gay men were castrated, then given heterosexual testicles instead. So, Kyle, when are you doing the surgery? I was going to say, anybody <laughs> have free testicles for Absolutely Kyle? Absolutely not. But you can continue. Thank you. <laughs> no one wants to volunteer to give their heterosexual testicles to Kyle. <laughs> Sigmund Freud. Some, Kyle would give them to you. Uh, no, that, 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 yeah, that, Michelle's got them. This was this was absolutely so barbaric in in any in every way. No, that is. Could you imagine? No, I mean I can't imagine. And and the, the whole thing is that this is not even the worst of of when it comes to homosexual aversion therapy because they do shock electric shock therapy. They, they do, you know, not even electric shock. They also do where they shock the fingers, the toes, all whipping, um, beating, um, manipulation. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's psychotic. Right. <clears throat> so Sigmund Freud believed that all humans are born bisexual and that women have penis envy. Y'all got something to say? <laughs> so that goes back to your previous episode that we did on the LGBTQIA. Um, Sigmund Freud believed that all people are born bisexual. And then I don't know what happens. We just pick one. Miss Emily, what is your terrifying story? Well, um, so we were at Disney World with my family and... I had gotten like separated from them and I was so scared because Disney is like a million people and like we were looking I was probably lost though for like 
15 or 20 minutes, like a long time. And I was like five, I was little. And I like, from then on out, I distinctly remember never losing sight of my parents <laughs> in any grocery store, anywhere we went ever <laughs> growing up. <laughs> that so. is, no, that is terrifying. I, I have lost my mom and I didn't even want her to find me. But I, That's <laughs> called running away. <laughs> uh, but it is still terrifying. Yeah, it was still terrifying. And I was like, oh, sh- well, I, I don't want her, but I, I am kind of scared. <laughs> Jessica, what's your terrifying story? So me and my sister and my cousins was playing some card games in the living room. I guess I was about nah, nine, ten or something. I lost, right? And whoever lost, you had to go in the bathroom and call out Candyman. <gasps> I remember that game. And oh, yes. I was like, because none of us thought it was for real. And I went in the bathroom, I had my little candle, and I did it. And I came out of the bathroom, and I was like, there's nothing to this. It's not real. And I swear, like, I'm not even lying. When I sat down on the sofa, you remember those old, cur- like, the old blondes that you have to twist? Uh-huh. As soon as I sat down, that whole thing just moved. <gasps> Like, I ain't like, even lying. The blinds moved? Yeah. They just, op- oh, that's like, creepy. Me and my sister still talk about that to this day. Okay. <laughs> Daryl, what's yours? Yes. So, Everett County. Anybody heard of Everett County? Yeah, right down the road. But anyway, so it's a place called Sweet City. I need some scary music. She stay in the trailer. And basically, they call her a little witch or whatever. So what we do for Halloween, we go over there <laughs> and knock on the door. And she'll boom. <laughs> then, actually, um, the last time we did it, she pulled somebody in. <laughs> we left. Somebody else got a... Somebody was shooting at us. So... That was so scary. Yeah, no, that's terrifying. That's absolutely terrifying. You don't know if it agrees you or not. If you go over there, you can go over there now. Sweet city. And she's still there. She's still there. And she chased your car, too. Yeah, she... Oh, wait, so you know about this, Jessica? Oh, yeah. This is big down there. Okay. Yes. It's about as big as, like, the Godstones down there, if you've ever heard about them. Oh, my God. And it's just a lady at home alone. Yes, she lives Try- up on a little hill. But in order to see her or experience her, the lady on the you have hill. to turn your car lights out yeah. okay. for the most part. Okay. And when you drive by her house, you sit in front of her like her driveway, blow the horn. You'll see her front door <laughs> open. And then next thing you know, what happened to me one time, she was on the other side of the car. But her front door oh opened. <gasps> and uh-uh. she popped up uh-uh. on the other side of the car banging on the... Like, oh, my God. Yeah, no. For real. No. Like, we're not lying. Like, this legit we can take y'all down there okay no i'm good i'm, I'm good yeah i'm okay your warning is scary enough <laughs> We're not, no i'm not going look 2020 was good but let's start off yeah, 2021 real good hey emily i just heard about this company called healthwell safe it's a one-stop shop for independent physicians and can really help them with any technology and programs they need Oh, that's so cool. So if my doctor uses it, will I get better care? Yeah, they have something called My Remote Checkup, and it's where the doctor can monitor your chronic diseases in between appointments. That would be a game changer for me. How do I know if my primary care doctor uses it? Well, you can ask them or you can download the My Remote Checkup app and see if your physician is listed on the list. And if they aren't there? 
you can ask them to go to healthwellsafe.com and check it out. There are tons of great benefits for both a doctor and their patients. Thanks. I will. You rock. Thanks, Emily. For more information, visit myremotecheckup.com. My Remote Checkup. Go ahead. Talk to your doctor. Well, we want to hear some of the crazy stories that you guys have, too. So make sure to hit us up on Twitter at Confetti Body or on Instagram at Confetti Body Podcast to share your, share your stories of trauma. So and the last and final one, the Little Albert experiment conducted by John Watson in 1929, codenamed Albert B, was a nine-month-old who was shown a variety of live animals, including a white rat. The little one showed no sign of fear while the white rat scurried over his legs and even seemed to be enjoying the little furry animal until this happened. So we have a clip here from YouTube from, I, I don't know if it's Yop, Jop, Vandersteen, that I want to share with you guys. So Chesco, if you could play the video and we'll listen in. Watson and Rayner then sought to teach Albert to fear white rats through classical conditioning. In the conditioning phase of the study, which was not filmed, the investigators struck a steel bar with a hammer whenever Albert reached for a rat, making a very loud noise that greatly upset and frightened Albert. After six such pairings of the loud noise and the rat, it was believed that the boy had been conditioned to fear white rats. That is, Albert was now expected to react fearfully to white rats whether the rats were paired with loud noises or not. In this next film sequence, we see Albert interacting with a white rat after the conditioning process. The investigators believed that the child's reaction during this trial demonstrated his newly acquired fear of white rats. Finally, the investigators expected that little Albert's conditioned fear of white rats would generalize to stimuli that were similar in key ways to a white rat. In this film segment, they were trying to demonstrate that the child now also reacted fearfully to similar objects, such as a rabbit, a dog, a furry object, and a white mask worn by Watson himself. So it's getting ready to cut off, but I want you guys in here, and if you can view the video on YouTube, I suggest it, but the psychologist actually goes to the extent of wearing this scary white mask, and he gets right in this baby's face. And what we're watching now is a clip from this YouTube, and this baby's terrified. He's screaming, <laughs> he's kicking, he's trying to run, and he can't. He does. He's not crawling it's yet. Super creepy. Yeah, that mask is really creepy. And look, the, the bless his heart. He's trying to crawl away, and the poor kid. He just hasn't learned that skill Someone set yet. Someone needs to put that psychology or psychologist in like a some sort of place. I don't know. Because first of all, what was he doing to those dogs or that dog? Like he's dragging that. that dog around. I'm mad about that. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's holding the the collar. Yeah, up. yeah, and he's he's holding the collar up by the dog, and he's like slinging this little puppy around in front of the baby and this baby's just absolutely terrified but yeah what they would do is they brought all these a variety of animals in first for the little baby to play with and he was happy and smiling and then as they would bring him in then they started hitting this really loud noise terrifying the child until eventually the child started to build up a fear of furry animals so the sad part is that little albert was never reconditioned back to no longer fear the animals and the human rights organizations have jumped all over this and considered to be one of the most inhumane experience um, experiments of our time because it happened to this little baby who was too too fat and couldn't run away it's just so interesting how yeah, bless his heart the child was what what triggered what triggered his uh, fear was that 
sound, that ab- obnoxious sound that he's probably never heard in his exactly. life. Exactly. But then you remove the sound and he's still fearful of what's in front of him, even though that's what was not causing the fear in the beginning. It's just so interesting how the brain just attaches itself to fear. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, like a lot of times they use like Pavlov's dogs with a little bell that's rung, that's rung. And then the, you know, the, the dogs will start salivating whether or not there's food or not. And your brain starts being conditioned into these different type of behaviors, um, which is so important when it comes to anything that has to do with trauma. And so like when we were sharing these stories, sometimes um, one thing that I want to bring up is that as we're sharing these stories, Sometimes you listen to me go, that's not traumatic. That's not a big deal. And we all kind of laugh and joke about it. But at the same time, our brain doesn't perceive it that way. Our brain perceives it as being something very traumatic. And it's very difficult, just like little Albert. Thank you for listening to Confetti Body Podcast. If you want to join in on the conversation, visit our Twitter at Confetti Body or Instagram at Confetti Body Podcast.